Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about enforcing your studio policies and sticking to them for good. Hello there, beautiful teachers, and welcome back to the show. We're coming up towards episode 200 really soon. This is 198, which is kind of crazy. And I'm doing something a bit different for episode 200 to celebrate. I'm going to be telling you my story, what all the stages I went through from first starting teaching all the way through. So it's about my personal story. I hope you'll get a kick out of that when it comes your way. Meantime, in this episode, we're still in money month. And so we're talking about policies because those are very closely related with getting paid, (laughs) keeping the money you earn, etc, etc. Episode is inspired by an article called How to Enforce Studio Policies with Confidence. It's a great article, definitely takes a different slant to what I'm doing here on the show. So might be worth a read after you listen to this. So before we talk about sticking to your policies, let's talk about what your policies actually look like and what they're for. You may have heard me say this before, but just in case, I believe that your policies should be one page or less. (laughs) I think they should be one page that is not too crammed with information. My own studio policies are just one sheet. It's just a few bullet points, basically. I I actually could fit more onto that page if I wanted to, if I wrote in a different format. So I believe that they should be one page or less because I don't think you have any chance of getting people to read beyond that. Think of your own experience, right? Let's take something a bit silly. Let's say you're going to a hairdresser. (laughs) Because if we talk about a lawyer, that's going to be very different. So let's say you're going to a hairdresser and you walk in and they say, oh, the government has this new rules so we need to get you to sign something before you get a haircut just for public liability reasons can you read through this and sign it if it's one page with bullet points on it like my policies are i actually think i might read it i really think i would i would at least get the gist of it if it was a dense one page or more than one page in whatever format i'm not reading that are you I know some people are really good at this, but I'm just not one of those people. And there are many people out there, many parents out there who are like me. We're all busy, 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 right? That's our society these days. So 
taking the time to sit down and carefully read your policies is just not going to be their top priority. Which brings me to my next point about policies that I also say often, which is that your policies are not going to do the work for you. Your policies are actually for you. They're not for the parents. Now, their policies of how you treat parents and students in your studio, yes. But the written document, it's really for you to set the rules so that you can then stick to them. If you start seeing it that way, you're going to treat it differently. You're not going to, for instance, just hand it to a parent or just send it to them via email and say no more about it. If your policies are for you, you're going to actually talk parents through them at the interview, in your emails to them, and you're not going to expect them to just read it and follow everything to the letter. You are the one who sticks to your policies, not them. So let's come to those policies. Let's say you do have it down to a page or you want to ignore that part of my advice and just move along. Okay, okay, fine. Do you believe in your policies? Do you really mean everything that is on that page or those pages, if you insist? A lot of teachers put down things that they copy from other people's policies, that they just think sounds good, and they don't really mean it. They're not going to stick to it. It's not what they think is fair to them and fair to the parents. Or they have some other reason for not actually wanting to do the thing that they wrote down. This leads to there being more exceptions than rules. Your policies are meaningless. They really don't matter at all. So you can't get cross when people break them, go against them in ways you didn't expect or in disrespectful ways. If you don't stick to the rules, they are not rules. So anything goes in terms of how parents treat you, how students treat you, etc. I know there's a thing called common decency. I'm not saying there isn't. I'm just saying if you don't stick to the rules, you can't call them rules. So in order to believe in your policies, especially things like makeup lessons, which come up so often and we've talked about many times here on the show, if you are going to believe in a no makeup lesson policy, for example, you need to believe and keep your mind focused on the bigger picture. Meaning, is this good for just this student or for all my students? Because they all deserve your equal attention. And if you go against your policies, if your policies are sensible and you break them, you allow wiggle room, you do favours for one student, one parent at a time, you are taking your focus away from the rest of your students. And that is unfair to them. So that's what I mean by keeping your mind on the bigger picture because it changes how you look at that one situation with that one parent. Even if you only have five students, this still applies. If you believe in your policies, you are focused enough on the bigger picture to want to enforce them, I think the next best step is to craft some simple responses to each pushback point and save them for yourself. You may even go so far, and this really depends on your personality, but you may even go so far as to write a potential pushback email from a parent and then craft your response to it. This is if you're quite nervous about sticking to your policies or you just know it's going to be really tough for you. Otherwise, you can wait until those key emails come in or you get those questions in person, etc. And then craft the response and save it. Things you should have stock responses for that you then tweak to be personal to each student, each parent, each circumstance 
are things like rescheduling. If you're if a parent requests to reschedule their lesson, what do your policies say about that and what is your response going to be? So for example, any time a parent asks to reschedule in my studio, I say, well, not any time, you'll hear why in a second, but most of the time I say, oh, I'm so sorry, we don't have any other cancellations this week that I can offer you, but if something opens up, I will let you know. In the meantime, we can also do a video lesson and give feedback during the lesson time. So please do send us a video of the student with any issues they're having or just performance that they want feedback on. The exception to that, as you might have heard, is if I do have a cancellation and we want to offer it to that student because it makes sense to do so. But if that other cancellation we know is going to go ahead with a video lesson, then that's not available either. It's only if we have a genuine opening that we know that student is not going to use at all, right? That's where we would offer that to the other student. So it is pretty rare, which is why most of the time that's the reply. You may be wondering about the video lesson thing, so I'll explain that uh, briefly. When I say that they should send us a video and we will give them feedback, that is the ideal. So that's what I offer to them. The slight secret, not really a secret, is that if they don't do that, many parents will not take the initiative to record it and send it through. If they don't do that, we're going to use that lesson time that was allocated to them to record a more general video that is currently applicable to them. So for example, if they're learning a piece in a method book we commonly use, we would record a practice video about that piece. My favorite way to do these videos at the moment is something I call a practice along, where it is where we literally say, okay, I'm gonna demonstrate the first four bars and then I want you to clap it back just like I did. And then we pause to allow them to clap it back. That's just an example, but it would be various practice steps with pauses for the right length of time so that they can do the thing we're asking them to do. So it's literally practicing along with us. So we use that lesson time to record one of those that is not specific to that student, but does work for them right now. I hope that makes sense. But if they send us video feedback, we're going to record a video that is just for them that week during that lesson time. Some other common responses that you may want to craft and have ready to go ahead of time would be a makeup lesson after the fact. Luckily, this basically never happens in my studio, maybe once or twice ever, but I know it's more common in other places, especially if local teachers do this and they've moved from them or some other reason. But if parents are emailing you a lot after they've missed a lesson, like they didn't show up <laughs> or they say they're sick and then later say, oh, can we make that up next Tuesday. Well, what are you going to say back to that? You may also want a crafted response for late payments or for things like um, how you deal with the waiting room if you have one and siblings waiting, like if there's a common instance where they ask to leave an older sibling there or something while they go do an errand. <laughs> how do you say no to that? Because that's a huge liability. Or you might have something unique to your situation that is in your policies, like parking. If there is a parking situation, I know some, say if you live um, in an area with like a shared parking lot and there's very specific guest spots or something and, and people break those rules, how are you going to email them to ask to tell them about that and about your policies about that? Another crafted response you may want to do is based on last week's episode. This is not a policy answer, but it does fit into our money month. And that is your fee increase. 
if parents are asking questions about the payments going up or like are yelling at you in email form or in person, what are you going to say to that, right? Now that I hope is also very rare, but if you do want to have all these things set out for your own peace of mind, that might be another one to do. As you start to stick to your policies more diligently, more strongly, you're going to start to notice holes in them, to notice areas where they could be better. The best possible thing you can do to make your policies better and better every year is to edit them all year long. Make little tweaks as you go for next year. As soon as a new year starts, I have copied my policy document from last year so that I can quickly open it. It says the year on it and I can edit anything or make little notes to myself in the margins of the document kind of off to the side. I can make these little notes about maybe we should change this, maybe we should change that because you won't remember all those notes as you go next year when you go to revisit these things. It's much better to do as you go through. So try and remove any wish-wash, any wishy-washiness as you go through the year rather than trying to do it at the end. Also remove things that you really don't mean. If you say there is a late payment charge but you never want to actually charge it, well maybe you should remove that or maybe you should reword it. You see what I mean. And the final step is the toughest one, and that's going to be to really, really stick to the policies. If you believe in them, if you believe they are fair to you, fair to parents, and they help you run a great studio that is great for all the students involved, then you should be able to stick to them. Your one thing this week is to look at your policies right now, at this minute, and see if you really mean them. If not, do you want to really mean them? Either mean it or cut it out. There is no in-between. I hope you enjoyed this exploration of policies this week. I would love to hear your thoughts about sticking to your policies, about what policies should be included in studios. Come find me on Instagram, I'm at colorfulkeys. And that's colourful with two years, by the way, because I am over this side of the Atlantic. Or you can write a comment on the episode notes on the article that goes along with this episode. That's on the Colourful Keys blog. I'll see you there. Vibrant Music Teaching Membership costs less than the price of one lesson each month. That is totally worth it for all of the courses, games, resources, downloadables, printables that you can get access to as a member, as well as a fabulous community support you'll find inside. Go to vmt.ninja and become part of the revolution. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.